Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Adam Morgan. The Colorado General Assembly gaveled its way into existence on Friday for its 120 days long 2019 session. The makeup of this General Assembly includes 28 new legislators, which means the state's professional government employees will have important influence as well as industry lobbyists. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. The business of the session is sure to include such long-time business decisions as on the homestead exemption, leftover potentially contentious business as red flag laws on gun ownership, and high interest business involving health care. The session will also see the inauguration of a new governor with his legislative priorities. This will also be the first session in history with women either the majority or equal with men in leading the House chamber. One of those ladies is the re-elected representative of HD42 in Aurora, who provides our annual insight and perspectives on the session, Representative Dominique Jackson. 120 days of fun and frivolity. It's not year-round like California. It's well, you know what? It's not year round that we're physically in the building, but the fact of the matter is is that we I mean, we do work yeah. year round. Constituents have lots of needs, and those of us who care to find out not what's just going on in our own communities, but what's going on across the state tend to spend time visiting with people across the state to find out what their concerns are. And I happen to be one of those people. Visiting people, and you also have committee meetings throughout the year? We do. We have interim. people don't know about? We have interim committees. There's certain committees. They call them committees of reference. And those are the standing committees that you hear about, you know. And some of those committees also have interim committees that are already budgeted for. And so they go out and um, study their subject matter area. For instance, I used to serve on Transportation and Energy Committee. Uh And so we would go out and travel the state and talk about transportation and energy issues. And we go and do site visits and we talk to county commissioners and city council members and and, uh, community members about what they Think about whatever that issue might be. So you had to do your fact-finding up close and personal. Fact-finding up close and personal. But you know what? That's the best way. Yeah. My favorite thing. Because it's unfiltered. Yeah. I mean, I want to know what people are actually really thinking and feeling. And, you know, it's really tough when you go and knock on somebody's door. Knock, 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 knock. Hey, I'm so-and-so. You know, what's going on in your world? It's like, well, actually, I'm trying to cook dinner or get my mom to her doctor's appointment or, you know, help my kid with their homework or whatever they're trying to do. And they don't really have time. So traveling around when people know that we're coming, it gives us sort of an people an opportunity to think about what they care about and what they want to talk to lawmakers about. And that's what I want to hear. I want to hear what real breathing people want to talk yeah, about. Sure. There's this thing that I call, I call it, and and it comes with sound effects. Are you ready? Okay, go for it. So I call it the dome suck. (laughs) And it's this, (laughs) it's this like when we're, when we're in the legislative session, you know, everybody gets all, you know, sort of focused on what's going on inside the dome. Yeah. And we're not as cognizant of what's going on out in community. And you know what? That capital belongs. community. Yes, it and does. we are there to work for 
community. So it's really important that we find ways outside of the session to get out into community to find out what's on people's minds. Now, when you go out there, do you find that most people are are aware of what goes on in the legislature and you have to make sure that one they really believe that you're coming. <laughs> you know. Number two, that they that they can talk to you about stuff. And three, they got to figure out what stuff to talk to you about. So, yes. I mean, people are very sometimes confused about what it, a local government may do as opposed to their state government, as opposed to what happens in Washington, D.C., inside the Beltway, and, yeah. and how everything relates to each other. Um, I try to maintain relationships with my school board members and board of education members and city council members and county commissioners and congressional members so that, you know, we're each other's sort of eyes and ears on about issues as it relates to our areas of lawmaking. What committees are you on? So you have new committee assignments this year then? We do have new committee assignments. So it is the... Uh, speaker designates purview to change up committees. I serve in the House of Representatives, not in the Senate. And so this year, our speaker designate, Casey Becker, switched up the committees. So I, the Transportation and Energy Committee has changed. So there were three committees, that, and I happened to serve on each one of them. That One was called Transportation and Energy. Yeah. One was called Health health insurance, and environment. And then the other one, which I served on just for one year, the last year, was called Agriculture, Livestock, and Natural Resources. So the last piece kind of all goes together, the Natural Resources, Environment, and Energy piece. So there is a brand new committee just called Energy and Environment. (laughs) And I was named the chair. Okay. So I will be chairing that committee. It's a brand new committee, and boy, oh boy, um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, and that is a great lead-in to what things are you seeing coming out of the legislature that you're going to have to handle this year. We can start in that area of environment because environment is big in this state. Environment is big in this state, and you know, I think that, I mean, obviously, our focus and our priority is to continue to make sure that people have clean air, clean water, and are able to live within a, a safe environment, and that we are able to continue to preserve what we all know as the Colorado way of life. Yeah. And so we, on this committee in particular, you know, we're meeting right now with the new incoming administration, the Polis administration, meeting with the new leadership in the Senate, meeting with uh, new leadership in the House, and all trying to come together to sort of figure out what our priorities are going to be as it relates to this committee, at least in particular, and clearly um there's going to be some things that probably aren't grand secrets, uh, as like it would, well, I would water. S- well, water, absolutely. Um, 
So now water, though, and water law, it depends on what kind of water you're talking about. Well, yeah, yeah, water law is a whole other issue going back to 1849. And yes, contentious issue in this state for sure. Uh So the way it works, the speaker can actually decide where she wants to send a particular piece of legislation to whatever committee she, she wants to send it to that hears that subject matter. And everything's not always black and white that way. So we have another committee that she also renamed the Agriculture, Livestock, and Natural Resources Committee is now Rural Affairs. So Rural Affairs obviously is going to be about agriculture and livestock, um, but Rural Affairs could be about many other things as it relates to rural Colorado and making sure that we continue to support rural Coloradans and that piece of Colorado way of life. And so when you're talking about water and water law, um, you could hear something about water in that committee. You might hear about it in energy and environment. You never know. It so, just sort so of So basically, depends. everybody, you're still trying to determine what bills you're going to carry or what uh, things the state really has to get its hands around to help the citizens. Absolutely. The way that it works is every member gets five Bills. You know, there's a hundred members. Right. That's a fair amount of bills. Five hundred every year. At wow. least. So every member gets five bills. And then the party that is in the majority in whatever chamber, the House or the Senate, can do what's called asking for a late bill request. If they have more than an individual member has more than five bills, then if they can make the case as to why it's really important that we hear this particular issue, that it's really going to be impactful, that um, there's some sense of urgency to it, uh, that we have to hear it in order to make sure that that, um, Coloradans' voices are heard, then we can request that that bill be heard. Now, it's up to the leadership in that chamber, so the Senate president or the Speaker of the House, as to whether or not we can actually run that bill or not. Yeah. Um, yeah but when you yeah. but when you're in the majority, you have far more leeway to do that. Well, I know the one thing the legislature's got to probably look at from uh, the last election, you had some uh, well, for cities are called bond issues and stuff with highways that were voted down because of, you know, Tabor. Um but people are saying, well, we want something done about roads and infrastructure, but we don't want to pay the taxes for them. Now, do we have to reeducate people as to what bond funding is versus taxes straight out, or are you going to have to make all these new roads and bridges, toll roads and toll bridges, so that it, it fits what they want to do and, and also what the law says, says about the taxpayers' bill of rights? Well, I mean, Tabor is a very, and along with the Gallagher Amendment, is yeah. our, um, you know, some very complicated checks and balances. I would say that. I think that people have to come to understand the importance of our transportation infrastructure throughout our state. You know, it's really hard to, um, you know, you get on the roads and, you know, you're driving down, you know, I-25 or I-70 or the major corridors, right, in our state. And you're stuck in a lot of traffic and you can't get to Colorado Springs or whatever the case may be. And you kind of get it. You're kind of like, wow, there's just so much congestion and there's there's so many problems but 
transportation in and of itself is about a whole lot more than um, a bunch of cars on the road. Yeah. Transportation infrastructure, to me, is about the economic health of our state. And I think that when people begin to understand that if you can't move goods and services throughout our state, um, then that's problematic. And that really has an impact on everybody's quality of life. Yeah, and if you And if you have an opportunity to sort of travel our state and see the, the um, local entities – um, that have been able to do um, to find their own funding mechanisms. You find out that throughout our state, we sort of have this patchwork of haves and have-nots, and so we have communities that have been able to fund their own infrastructure projects, sure. um, generally through uh, tax increases going to the voters. Then there's other communities that that just can't do that because they they simply don't have that kind of wealth within their own individual community. So we find a lot of have and have nots, and it's really yeah. unfortunate. We need to look at our whole state holistically. Education comes to the top of that game plan all the time, every year, trying to find especially higher education, which keeps getting cut every year. You are looking at maybe, or some of your colleagues look looking at maybe doing something about higher education funding. From uh, across the spectrum, from whether we're talking about paying for full-day kindergarten and figuring out a way to fund that so that parents can actually help give their kids a, a good start and be able to uh, uh, work themselves and, and yeah. not worry so much about um, that extra added stress, that child care stress, to paying our teachers and making sure that our teachers are supported, to um, finding other opportunities for our our high school kids, because college, quite frankly, isn't the only option for every single kid. There also need to be other options, vocational options and apprenticeship kinds of things. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, and then, of course, funding higher education and making sure that we're working with our business communities so that we know what the economic trends are, what kind of jobs we really need to be creating. And so we can make sure that we're that we're educating our kids in a way that they're going to be able to fulfill those jobs and keep our kids here yeah, as opposed yeah. to having our kids have to move elsewhere or having a bunch of other folks having to move, move here. Move elsewhere just to find a house. <laughs> you know, okay. Well, there's that too, housing. 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 Representative Dominique Jackson of Colorado's HD42 in Aurora is our guest on this edition, sharing her insights and expectations on the forthcoming business of the newly opened 2019 Colorado Legislative Session. We'll continue our conversation with her on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch, stay in your game, and we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.